This is the Digital Agency Insiders Podcast. Inside, you'll learn how to build, grow, and scale your digital marketing agency all from the comfort of your favorite coffee shop. Let's get started with the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome again to the Digital Agency Insiders Podcast. This is the podcast that gives you a little inside look into how entrepreneurs have built and grown their digital marketing agencies. I am your host, Tabitha Thomas. And if this is your first time listening to the podcast, I encourage you to go hit that subscribe button as we release new episodes each and every Tuesday. So today I have with me Jude Charles. Jude is a brand strategist and filmmaker specializing in using story-driven video content to help entrepreneurs beautifully tell their tales in ways their clients can relate to, understand, and appreciate. He's worked with the likes of Steve Harvey, Caldwell Banker, and a little business you may have heard of called Google. Being able to bring someone's story to life is no small feat, but time and again, he seems up for the challenge. Jude, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Tabitha. It's, It's definitely a pleasure to be here today. Super excited to have you with us. So uh, looking back through all of your stuff, it looks like uh, you've been doing this video stuff for a while and 13 years, in fact. So did some part of you always have that entrepreneurial fire burning in you? Or was that a, was there a moment in time that sparked that for you? I think there was a moment in time that sparked it for me. I um, In high school, I took a TV production class. And I for one reason or another, just really loved telling stories. Um, And my teacher, my TV production teacher saw that she saw that talent in me. And my junior year in high school, she looked at me, she was like, you're really good at this, Jude, you should start a business. And at the time, I had no idea what it meant to start a business. Again, I was only 17 years old, I was still in high school. The next thing on my mind was what college am I going to? Um, Yeah, because that's what's beat into our heads, right? (laughs) Right, right. But instead, the following day, May 5th, 2006, I'll never forget it. She came to class with a yellow envelope and she handed it to me. And I was like, what is this? She's like, take a look inside. And so I opened up the envelope and inside were my first set of business cards. She didn't allow me to say no. She didn't allow me to be like, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. She got me started May 5th, 2006 at 17 years old. And from that point on, I kind of figured it out as I went along, but I became an entrepreneur on that day. That is awesome. Okay, so not a lot of teachers are like that out in the world. And give this lady a shout out because that is incredible and awesome. And I love her right now just for doing that for you. (laughs) Yes, yes. And I still talk to her to this day. Her name is Mrs. Donnelly. Um, She's still a teacher, not at the same school that I was at uh, back in high school, but she's still a teacher. and. Actually, she just celebrated her 60th birthday not too long ago. So yeah, I still oh, talk. Oh wow! To her. Yeah. <laughs> so so starting a business at 17, it's it's no easy task. I can only imagine. So you tell people that the next five years were a time of struggle that you were trying to find your way in that field. So what were some of the issues that you were facing at that time? I think the issues that I was facing is not finding the right clients and not understanding how to market and promote and do sales so that I can attract the right type of client that would want to pay me for the services that I offer. So I do video production. And at the time, I offered every type of video production. We'll get into a little bit of how I niched down. But at that time, I was doing birthday parties and um, retirement parties and church events and weddings. It's just anything that you needed recorded, I would do it. 
But the problem that came with that is that I would also get people that were all across the gamut as far as like whether they could afford me, couldn't afford me. Like I would do a $1,000 retirement party, but then struggle to get someone to pay me $1,000 for a birthday party, right? And so yeah, um, that was kind of the problem that I was having in the very beginning was just understanding business. I knew I had a great talent and I knew I, had, I understood how to film and edit and those different type of things. I knew the technical parts, but I didn't understand the business parts. Um, that would help me continue to grow that, help me continue to get the right type of clients. Gotcha. So how did you learn and, and adapt from then? How did things change to where you were like, okay, this is how I need to do this, or this is the particular niche that I need to go after? Because in the beginning, when you're just learning, I, I understand that whole taking anybody and everybody. And it's, it's, I think some people need to go through that just to get the experience to know what you want and what you don't want <laughs> in a business. So how did, that, how did it change after that? It changed for me in 2010. At that time, I had been working with a client. Her name is Keisha Dior. She was running a cosmetic business. And um, I'll never forget the day that I woke up at seven o'clock in the morning. And I woke up to the sounds of chains hitting the ground. And I know that sounds a bit odd and eerie, but what it was was the tow truck driver outside of my house getting ready to repossess <laughs> my car. And this oh. had happened for the second time in eight months that my car was getting repossessed. And the reason why is because, like I talked about, I had a hard time consistently getting clients, so I couldn't consistently get money to come in to pay my bills. And um, I remember running outside pleading with the tow truck driver, just like, please, just act like you haven't seen the car. Just give me a couple more days. And of course, he had a job to do, and he decided to take the car. Um, but it was, it was very ironic that when I walked back inside the house, I remember sitting on the edge of my bed just thinking, all right, it's been five years at this point. Um, you know, it's time to give it up. I've, I've given it in a good run. I haven't really figured things out. And in that moment that I'm sitting there, I've been sitting there for at least 30 to 45 minutes, and I get a phone call from my client, Keisha Dior. And we had been filming a documentary series about her building her cosmetic business from the ground up. At that point, it had been one year. And she calls me, she's excited. And she's like, Jude, Jude, you won't believe it. You won't believe it. And I'm like, what happened, Keisha? And she said, you know, we've, I've been doing this business for 12 months. And, and after 12 months, I just got off the phone with my accountant and we've crossed over the $1 million mark. <laughs> and I remember this sinking feeling inside because here it is, I'm talking with a client who has only been in business for a year and was able to make $1 million, whereas I've struggled for the last five years trying to consistently make, at that time, twenty dollars to $30,000 a year. Mm -hmm. But what it did, it was a light bulb moment. Um, I was able to change my perspective and realize, not only do I have a client who's made $1 million in 12 months, which means that it's possible, but she made it using a piece of content that I had given her, that I had crafted for her. Right, which means I had something that was valuable. She was willing mm -hmm. to pay for it. And I just needed to understand how do I continue to market and promote that? So that was kind of the changing, the, the, the transition moment for me because that is how I got into the niche that I am in now where I create documentary series for entrepreneurs. Um, it's in order to help them elevate their personal brand. And it was because again, because I saw what Keisha was able to do. She uh -huh. only had... Twitter. She only used Twitter at the time. This is 2010. And she used 
of course, her website, and then she had the videos. We had released them sequentially. Part one and then part two and three came six months and six months after. But she used and leveraged part one of the documentary series to be able to promote herself, promote her products, and and then obviously bring in $1 million in revenue. Um, that was just a big light bulb moment for me that changed everything. So did you change your pricing structure after that moment, just out of curiosity? I'm like, in my head, if I'm in your shoes and I'm sitting there and she just tells me she just made a million dollars, I'd be like, I am not charging you enough, lady. <laughs> I wasn't. And, and out of full transparency at that time, I charged her for part one. I think we had filmed for about six or seven months. Um, I only had charged her $3,000. That's to film it and that's to edit it, right? So for yes. Six months of work. For six months of work. So yes, my pricing structure changed after that. It Good. changed quite a lot. I'm very glad to hear that. <laughs> I, it, it changed a lot because, so what I did is I went back to, okay, I need to learn the business side of this. What I saw that Keisha was doing every single day, again, I had the blueprint because I watched someone build a million dollar business. I, I got the yeah. behind the scenes of that. And so what, I, what, what she was really great at was marketing. And so I went back and learned that. I, I remember the first course that I took was a course called Earn 1K. And it's all about the basics. Let's get back to the mm -hmm. basics and talk about how do you earn your first $1,000. Obviously, I had already done that. But I needed to humble myself and say, you know what? Maybe I didn't do it the right way. I need to, I need to understand how do I do this the right way. Um, yeah. And so without making, a long, you know, making it a long story, but I... I Began to take for a full year. I took a year off. I continued to work with Keisha, but I took a year off taking on other clients to learn the business side. And a few things that changed for me was that I incorporated a thing that I call road mapping. And road mapping okay. is basically how do we come up with the plan for the video that we're going to create together? Um, and I charge for that now. Um, and then, of course, my pricing structure as far as like the actual production comes from road mapping. We decide everything that we're going to do, how much time it's going to take, all those things. And then I can charge you based on the value that I'm going to create from what we're talking about. Instead of just charging you one flat fee from, you know, out of thin air, or what I think I may, it, the amount of hours that it'll take or anything like that, I charge you based on the value that I know I'll create for you. Because I have a case study where I've helped a client create a million dollars. You could probably do more than that, depending on the kind of business that you are. She was a startup. Another business might be in business for five years and already, you know, they have their pricing structure and they, they know how much upside they have. So that's how I've changed over time. Road mapping was a big deal. It is, I don't even take on a client without going through road mapping. Um, well, it's very and, smart. Well, and it helps yeah. the client also know what's coming up. And it's not just pulled out of thin air that this number is something that you guys decided together and not just something that you're shoving down their throat or whatever, which can sometimes feel that way. And then also down the road, if so, they want something different and it wasn't in your roadmap, you're like, okay, yeah. but I can charge you for that because yeah. you know, it's not what we agreed upon. Scope of work is what we always called it. So. Right. Yeah. That, and it, it's easy. Your it's easy to charge extra because then they realize, oh yeah, I am going outside of the scope of work that we have decided mm -hmm. on together. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, that was a big moment for me in 2010. Um, and it's what's led me to, I know we've talked a little bit about working with Steve Harvey and Google and, and Caldwell Banker and different entrepreneurs and brands of, of that nature. But it's, it's what has led me to that point is because I understood the business and marketing side of what I do. 
Oh, that's awesome. Well, and, and being humble enough to go back to the drawing board and be like, let me just learn this again and see yeah. what I may have done. Well, a lot of people won't do that. They were like, no, I did it fine. I'm fine. I know where I'm at. <laughs> but that was, to be, again, to be transparent, that was the problem, though, is that I wouldn't get out of my own way. And I think that was something I needed to learn, that I was possibly too prideful, that I didn't have all the answers, and it's okay to ask for help. I didn't think it was okay to ask for help. Again, I started at a young age, so I didn't know these things. I didn't learn these life lessons, adult life lessons yet. But that was like a big thing for me is like getting out of my own way. And had I not gotten out of my own way, and I continue to get out of my own way, I continue to work with coaches and and things like that. But had I not done that um, and learned that, I wouldn't be where I am today. You would have given up because yeah. you're frustrated. So that's, right. that's that, that. The timing of her phone call had to have been mo- monumental. <laughs> it was, yeah, for sure, for sure. So let's talk into the niches that you're working with now, the entrepreneurs, and how that led to, like you said, working with Caldwell Banker and Steve Harvey and Google of all people. Like, tell us how that how that path went. Are they coming to you now, or are you actually actively going out and finding those kind of clients? It's a little bit of both. Uh, but what I decided from working with Keisha, again, I, I focused on documentary series for entrepreneurs. But what that also helped me niche down on is storytelling. If it's not a project where I'm creating a story, so I don't do like commercials or promo videos or product videos or anything like that. I focus specifically on how are we getting ready to tell a story, a real raw story that's emotionally compelling for someone to watch. Um, and that is in the early days. I I was also doing documentary series for entrepreneurs and brand campaigns. And that is one of the reasons why I worked with Google and I worked with um, Caldwell Banker, specifically the projects that I worked on with them. Um, Google was launching a a company called, I can't remember the name of it now, but it's an education platform. It was kind of like um, lynda.com. If you've ever heard of lynda.com, it was something similar to that where it's, it's, different entrepreneurs who are masters at what they do, but they're coming on this educational platform to teach others, right? Okay, Um, gotcha. Early, early days of that. The company, it did not become successful, unfortunately. But (laughs) what we did was that at a conference, a conference called Hispanicize, they wanted to create these profile videos of some of the speakers that were there, talking about what it means to be an entrepreneur that can help others. And so that was the stories that I created at Hispanicize, at the conference for Google, for this new launch of this brand and company that they were creating. For Caldwell Banker, it was for a group of um, real estate agents in the South Florida region, telling their stories, creating profile videos of those uh, real estate agents. Again, all storytelling based. So I became the person that was known for creating stories that just felt really real, felt really personal, creating personal brands around storytelling. And then, of course, that's led to the work that I've done with Steve Harvey. Again, documentary series for entrepreneurs. That's, that's what it's all about. It's like, how does someone deeply connect with you on a level and hear stories that they may not have ever heard before um, uh-huh. so that they trust you and they trust you? I, what I call it is trusting you at scale. Because now that you've created this story, you can use it over and over and over mm-hmm. to get other people to trust you. And so that's, that's how I've niched down into that, that area. So how did you, how did you get in front of Google and Steve Harvey and Caldwell Blanker? Like, how did you even pitch them these ideas in the first place? All of it has been through referral. 
Um, so I'll start with Google specifically. It was someone else that had worked at Google who had done work with Google who knew what my specialty was and they knew what Google wanted to do, right? And so that person referred me to the marketing head at Google for this new company. Um, and because of that, I, it was a lot easier to make the pitch, right? Because oh, now yeah. I'm going in with an idea of what they kind of want to create. I'm just, I'm just putting my own special sauce on it. I'm saying this is the way we can really craft it so that we get the full picture of what you wanted to create. Um, Call to a banker, same thing. It was, they were looking to continue to brand their, um, they had specifically bought out a firm, a real estate firm that wasn't under Call to a banker, but now it was. And they wanted to rebrand this firm. But how do you do that? And part of the idea was storytelling. How do we make these people stand out? How do we, how do we showcase why we even bought them out? Um, it was storytelling. And so, again, I come in and I'm pitching. I'm still doing road mapping at this point. And so I'm still charging yeah. for road mapping. But again, it positions me differently. Like he's coming up with a full plan. Why wouldn't we work with him? Right? Yeah. Like because in road mapping, what I do is we come up with the plan of, okay, what does this brand represent? What do you stand for? Then the actual stories that we could possibly tell. But I'm also storyboarding all of that out so that I'm giving mm. you the visuals before we ever get to press record on a camera. And what I often, how I often position it is, hey, I'm going to give you the full plan. You might end up seeing the price and you say, you know what, this might be too costly for us. You still have a full plan that you've paid for. Take it to someone else. Of course, that's not going to happen because I've already shown them my expertise and we've spent, uh, road mapping is eight hour session. So we've spent eight hours together going wow. through this. So of course you're not going to go with anyone else. But that's the way I position it because I, I, I want to I disarm them and make them feel like, yes, we're paying for this upfront. We're not tied to doing production and, and how much production may cost. But we have that option. It's still on, it's the, the, the wall is still in their court. So how much, if I can be nosy, how much are you charging for your road mapping sessions now? Road, road mapping is $10,000 today. Um, wow. Originally, I started, I, I, again, out of transparency, because I don't want to make it seem like this was all roses. Originally, I started at 500 because I wasn't sure that in my industry, film production, it's an, people aren't used to paying for road mapping or some kind of plan up front. Um, and so I started at 500 just to test the waters to see like, would people actually pay for this? And after a while, I continued to just raise the prices more, like more and more people told me how much value they gained out of, from it. I continued to raise the price. And I, I also was able to get testimonials and case studies from people who, even as most recently, like I have a client who told me that, she, so we did road mapping. She didn't decide to work with me for a full year. But from what I gave her from road mapping, she was able to make an extra $100,000 in her business just from the ideas wow. that I gave her from road mapping. We are now working together, but because she of- She had to build up to it. She had to build up to it, <laughs> right? Because of yeah. the value that I created, she, was still, she realized she was still able to take those ideas, run with it, and make more money. It's like, why wouldn't I do an actual documentary series, which is what we're doing now? Why wouldn't I do that with it? And so, um, so it's at ten thousand dollars now, and um, yeah, and I, so the amount of work going that I've, to them for these road road mapping sessions. Yes, yeah. So I'm going to them. I'm flying to them. I work with clients all over the country. Um, yeah, like I have a client right now in Delaware and Vegas. I'll be going to Vegas in two weeks. Um, 
but I go to them. I do the road mapping session in their comfortable environment, their office, because uh-huh. I'm asking specifically when I'm doing documentary series for entrepreneurs, which is all I focus on now. I'm asking them very deep questions. Like, how did you get started? What is your family history like? Um, why are you in this business? Like, why did you decide this is the thing you're going to do? For example, I'm working with a copywriter right now. He's a copywriter and serial entrepreneur. He does other things, but copywriting is like his main thing. And I want to know, how did you even get into copywriting? Like, you know, you're at a, why even that? (laughs) Right. Like he was a salesman before he became a copywriter. It's like, how did you make that transition? Why was it important to make that transition? I have to understand these things on a deep level in order to craft the story that we need to craft together. Right. And so, um, yeah, road mapping is eight hours. I go to them because I want to make sure they're in their comfortable environment. We're spending a full day together. Um, I love traveling, so it makes it easier for me to to, to travel to where they <laughs> so are. So you're probably itching right now to get your travel bug on. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I've been home for the last two months. So, yeah, definitely itching to get it back out there. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's an amazing experience because what it creates is a level of depth. Part yeah. of what I do and what I love to do with my clients is depth versus width. Let's go really, really deep in order to go wide. Like let's slow down. Let's figure out who you are, what you represent, why, what are your philosophies and why those philosophies exist in order to demonstrate that through video, illustrate that through video so that others can get to know you on a deeper level as well. So are there ever any just moments where these people are understanding themselves in a deeper level that they, you're asking a certain question. They're like, oh my gosh, I've never even thought about that. (laughs) Has there been those kind of moments? Oh yeah. All the time. I often get, (laughs) and it's always hilarious each time I get it, but I often get a client that says to me, this felt like a therapy session because (laughs) again, we're going so deep, but it's also like, there's so many things that's being revealed to them, things that they haven't taken the time to think about. Um, I mentioned the copywriter, like we talk about the transition he's made from salesman to copywriter. And it just so happened that his, a girl that he had met, who was his wife now, told him about copywriting. He never knew it existed. And he realized the amount of money that she was making from it. And so he decided to become a copywriter. But what he realized over time though, and this was the aha moment for him is that there were these mentors and teachers from the moment he was in elementary school and middle school that helped him make these soft transitions Mm -hmm. that ultimately led to him becoming a copywriter ultimately ultimately led to him meeting his wife and becoming a copywriter which his wife has become a mentor for him right so it's like these small stories of mentorship because what was so beautiful about that is he's now a mentor to other copywriters and he he looks at it as his passion and his mission in life to help others in that way but it's because He's had these five other mentors in his life that helped him do that. Um, so yeah, there's always these big aha moments, and that's why I love to do it because I started saying I'm, you look like you love your job. You oh, sound yeah. so passionate about it. So yeah. I'm like, I love it. <laughs> yeah, because it's those small. I think over time, we we as entrepreneurs, we can overlook the stories of our lives mm-hmm. um, and sharing that with others. But it's those stories that other people may not even know that truly mm-hmm. help build the deeper connection. And when I'm, when I'm talking about building a deep connection, it's always all about trust, right? That's what we look for when we're working with our clients. How do I build trust? How do I, how do I make sure, especially as an agency, the client isn't going to nitpick every little thing that I do? You have to build yeah. trust, 
right? But how do you build trust? That person needs to know, like, and trust you. We've always heard that before. People do business that they know, with people that they know, like, and trust. How do you do that? How do they get to know who you are, like what you have to say, and trust that you can provide the solution? It's the stories that we tell. And so that's why I call it the know, like, and trust bridge, um, because you're creating this bridge of, okay, I am very skeptical about who you are. Don't even know if you can provide the solution that I really need, or if this is a scam. But we take them across this bridge that then they now trust us and they're not going to question. It doesn't matter how much we charge. We could, you know, they can become a premium client. We, sh- we get them across that bridge. Um, and that's why I do the work that I do. That's awesome. That yeah. is awesome. I, I love that. I love when I see somebody that's passionate, not just some trying to sell that they're passionate about it, but <laughs> I can see it in your eyes. Like yeah. this is what you were born to do. So I love it. So yeah. uh, I hear that you developed a marketing technique that you call dramatic demonstration of proof. So how exactly does that work? And how do you use um, video storytelling to help that client build that business? So I've teased a little bit of this um, as we were talking, but dramatic demonstration of proof is birthed out of road mapping. So there's three phases in road mapping, and I'll walk you through all three so that you can clearly understand how you get to dramatic demonstration of proof. Um, but before I do that, I want, to, I want to give a little teaching session. So there's two things I want to break down. First, it's storytelling. What is a story? Because I think storytelling and story has become a buzzword in the last few years. But I want to make it very simple. A story is about a very specific moment in time with a beginning, middle, and end. That's it. I know there's story structures and all those different things. But if you think about a story as a very specific moment in time with a beginning, middle, and end, we all have stories, right? Like Mm -hmm. I told the story of the teacher who gave me the yellow envelope, right, that um, that had the first set of business cards. That was about a very specific day. Or uh, Keisha Dior, who was my client, who called me the day that my car was getting, had gotten repossessed. That's about a very specific moment in time. But those moments mm-hmm. connect us. They, they help us understand each other. They help us communicate, right? So that's storytelling. Um, the second thing that I want to break down is that we as human beings are visual creatures. Right? When we first learned how to talk, we said the word cat, but then we saw an image of a cat. And so every time that we saw a cat from then on, we knew that was a cat or we knew to say the word cat, right? Like if you watch mm-hmm. little children when they're first learning how to speak, they only say one word at a time, right? Mm-hmm. But that is how we learn. We learn through visuals. Um, there's the debate 2020 of whether or not masks are... Um, are actually helpful towards beating coronavirus. But I think I look at it differently because I look at it as whether it's helpful or not, it doesn't matter to me. What's alarming to me is when someone's not wearing a mask. If I'm out in public and someone's not wearing a mask, right? So it creates this Uh level of awareness. But why does it do that? Because we are seeing something right? Mm-hmm. Seeing or is believing. Or not seeing something. <laughs> right, right. So seeing is believing, right? Like hearing something said yeah. 1000 times is not as convincing as seeing it once for yourself. Right? So, so now, true. now that I've laid that groundwork, let's go into dr- road mapping, the three phases of road mapping, and then how that gets to dramatic demonstration of proof. So in the three phases of road mapping, there's dramatic clarity, dramatic demonstration, and then dramatic leverage. 
dramatic clarity is what I talked about as far as like, what are your philosophies and beliefs? What are your core values? What is, uh-huh. what are your stories that you're telling? That's getting really clear on what your brand represents, right? Like who you, who are you as a personal brand? And then dramatic demonstration is okay. We've taken these words that you're saying. So let's say your core values, like one of my core values is adventure or um, depth. I've talked a little bit about that depth versus width. All right. That's things that I've said, but how do you show that to me? What's the demonstration Mm -hmm. of that? And I have five things as to how I demonstrate, how I may demonstrate a story. And this is where we're really bringing the story to life. So there's behind the scenes, there's social proof, there's live illustration, there's transformation, and then there's unique mechanism. If we want to, we can go into those five a little later, but let me get to the last one. Um, Dramatic leverage, that is all about marketing. So we've gotten clear on who you are, what you stand for, we've written those out, then we brought them to life with video, we've told these amazing stories, but it's not enough to tell these amazing stories without sharing it with the right audience at the right time. And the right audience could be if you're building a tribe and an email list and things like that, or it could just be working one-on-one with clients, right? I think you have seen like my process where even for podcasting, I think I sent you three videos to watch before we ever get on this podcast, right? Because mm-hmm. I want you to get to know what I do better, get to know me better, right? The clients that I work with. So that's dramatic leverage is like, how do you market this in a way that gets you to your end result? It's not just about sharing it on YouTube and saying, hey guys, check this out. Like, how do you share this three months from now and six months from now and nine months from now using the same content, right? The one of the reasons that Keisha Dior was able to make $1 million in 12 months is because she leveraged the crap out of the one 10 minute documentary that we had created about her business. And she made sure Uh she used it anywhere that she could, she possibly could. She texted to her friends if she did radio interviews, because podcast wasn't as big back then, but if she was doing radio interviews, she talked about it. So that's what dramatic leverage is. Dramatic clarity, dramatic demonstration, dramatic leverage. So we went from just making someone becoming skeptical to now believing in your brand. That's what I call dramatic demonstration of proof. Let's go from just telling people what you can do, showing them so that they believe in what you have to offer. I love every bit of this because I can just see, I can see you in one of these meetings like bust. Cause I was like, how do you get all of this pulled out in one eight hour day? Like I really was like, but you have a set process that you've, how long did it take you to come up with this, this entire process? Um, I think I'm sure that, it's been years and, and yeah, trial and so, error, but. So I've been in the business for almost 15 years and I think it's just paying attention to, to be completely transparent and honest. All of this comes back from, the work that I did with Keisha Dior, like that was a big moment for me. And I was just like, I missed something here. Meaning that, meaning that I only charged $3,000 for that project. Now, of course, Mm -hmm. the next project we did two part two and part three, I charged more and she was okay with it because she had made money. Right. Mm -hmm. But I looked at, okay, what did I do that worked? Because I did these things intuitively, but I didn't have a process back then. Like, why is it that people fell in love with Keisha's brand? I didn't even mention this part. Like, she was selling blue lipstick, purple lipstick, green lipstick, yellow lipstick. In 2010, it wasn't popular. (laughs) That's why I want to make a point of of mentioning that. It wasn't popular, but people believed in her brand so much and believed in who she was that they were willing to buy those products. 
right? And I wanted to see what was it that I did. I didn't even focus on the product so much as I focused on who she was and and what it represented. Because what it represented for her was women empowerment. It represented being comfortable in your own skin, even if it means you're wearing, you're wearing blue lipstick, right? It was <laughs> deeper. It was a deeper meaning. Yeah. And yeah, so a lot of this structure and system and process comes from just really taking my time and looking at, okay, what did I do here that worked and how do I replicate it? Yes. Right. So I continue to replicate it with different industries like an interior designer or real estate or Google or um, copywriter, business coach, jewelry. Like I've continued to replicate it using the same exact process and system. That's, that's incredible. I, I, I love it. And I hope that you're, uh, you teach that time and time again, because I can see how that could be so helpful, not just for videographers and people that are doing that kind of, but even marketers. Like, I'm curious, do you actually post the videos for your clients now? Or do you give them a roadmap to do that? Like where they need to be posting videos and things like that? Yeah. So I, I give them a, um, so in dramatic leverage, the phase that's dramatic leverage, I give them, what I also give them is two things. So I give them um, what's called the 70 different ways that you can leverage one video. So it's just a full list of, again, 70 different ways that you may not have thought of. Um, and it's probably then, something you've created a long time ago and just re- reusing every time. Yep. And so I started, originally the list started at like 40, but over time I continue to add to it. The other thing is because the 70 can be daunting. The, yeah. when, and I've listened to my, what my clients have told me is like, what if there was a checklist, right? So yeah. instead of, I still give the 70 different ways just in case, you know, they may decide to be creative and think of other ways. But I also give them a checklist as like, once the project is done, the first 10 weeks, here's what you should be doing every week, right? Because half the time they may be giving it to another person to do, to share, mm-hmm. right? Or they may be doing it themselves, but again, it's like, how do you keep up with it? Because you do have a business to run and there's other things happening day to day. How do you keep up with making sure that, okay, I'm sharing this over and over? Yeah. That's awesome that you give that. I was curious if you did that for them, because that can be a whole nother it becomes another business. There. Yeah. Yes. I'm like, that's not even in your, not that it's not your wheelhouse. You could totally do it, but that doesn't yeah. mean you want to do it. No, no. Yeah. So. Yeah. You talked about perspective and vision a little bit earlier. So tell us what the difference is between perspective and vision. Yeah, I think that we all have eyes. We can see out of our eyes, right? But what's ironic is that both you and I wear glasses. So without Uh the right set of lenses on, you won't have the right perspective. I mentioned the story with Keisha um, and how like she had made a million dollars. Now, in that moment, I could have been really bitter and it was just like, you know what, I'm never going to do this again. Like, how could, how could I have been, you know, so dumb and to make the wrong decision? And she's made a million dollars, but I didn't see any of that, right? Like, it's not like she said, hey, I made a million dollars. Here's an extra 10000 But instead, I had on the right set of glasses, meaning that I was able to see and read what was happening. And I, and I went back to the drawing board to create a different life for myself, right? Um, I know that often vision, the word vision is used as far as like being able to see into the future and make a vision for yourself. I think that it's hard to make a vision for yourself if you don't have the right perspective, if you don't have the right mindset. Because again, the difference 
between me and Keisha was the perspective. She was able to make $1 million because she understood what she needed to do in her business because she had possibly learned marketing beforehand. Whereas I hadn't learned those things. So I didn't have the right perspective. I didn't have on the right set of glasses. And I think as entrepreneurs, that's, that's key. It's like, what's the difference between, you know, someone like me or Warren Buffett? It's the level of perspective that we have, right? Like, we're all human beings. But what I love about the work that I do, because I work with um, seven and eight figure entrepreneurs, helping them share their story to create a larger tribe, elevate their brand, their personal brand. But what I love about the work that I do is what I'm aiming for is to make them just a little bit more human. Because when you hear that someone has made seven and eight figures, if you haven't made that, you feel completely instantly disconnected. But they're just human beings like you and I are. I love one of my clients says, you know, I put on my pants the same way you do. One leg at a time, right? (laughs) That is what perspective and vision is all about. It's like, how can you just change your mindset just a little bit to see that, okay, this person, if they can do it, I can do it too. Um, I, so I don't know if you've watched the Stefan Georgi documentary. He's the, the copywriter that I've been talking about on here. I sent it to a I'm friend going who's to a, after this. Now I want to see. It. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll link you guys to this on, uh, yeah. on the website. I sent the documentary. It's part one of his documentary series. And I sent it to a friend um, who's a copywriter as well, because I wanted to get his perspective on like, hey, yeah. here's another copywriter. What do you take from this? To me, this person, I won't name him, but he's accomplished, in my opinion, right? Like, we're very good friends. Um, we're working on starting a business together because of how accomplished he is and different things like that. But I got it. He texted me back and he was like, you know, as someone who is wondering when will it happen for me, this was inspiring. And I was like, wait, what do you mean? What, when will it happen for you? Because in my mind, he was already doing great things, successful. accomplished and yeah. successful. But he was able to change his perspective and look at like, although I'm, more, I'm, I'm having this internal battle of when it will happen for me, I'm seeing someone else that's a little bit further along and seeing how I can make it happen for myself, right? Mm-hmm. I think ultimately that's what I love about the work that I do. And that's why I'm so passionate about storytelling because that's what happens when you tell the right story is that it can help change someone else's life. Even if that doesn't mean they're at the same place that you're in, but they yeah. can put themselves within the story. Even if you're telling a story about yourself, they can put themselves within that story in order to change their perspective and change their journey, right? The teacher who gave me the first set of business cards changed my perspective. While I was sitting there thinking, what is start a business, 17 years old? What does that look like? <laughs> she changed my perspective. To me, that was the first time I ever got, I, I, I ever encountered a dramatic demonstration because like you said, a teacher, Teachers don't do that. Like they may encourage you and motivate you, but to go out of her way to say, no, here's your first set of business I believe cards. in you. I believe in That's you. That's what she said. She, right. Without saying it, handing that to you, she said, I believe in you. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the power of storytelling, dramatic demonstration. It's all about changing someone's perspective. Um, because again, we all have the ability to see, but we may not have the ability to read. That comes through perspective. I love it. I love it. So uh, is there any advice that you would give anyone in the film industry or somebody that's wanting to start doing videos for other businesses? Is there any advice that you would give them um, for starting up that kind of company besides road mapping? Because that's an obvious one. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I, honestly, I think every company, every industry should be doing road mapping. It's, it's just a no-brainer, yeah. in my opinion, because if you're looking to work with a certain type of client, um, it immediately shows you how serious they are, and it immediately positions you in a different way. Like even, again, I started at $500. I know I talk about it's $10,000 now, but I started at $500. Even if it means starting at $100, yeah, it changes the conversation that you guys have. So that's the first advice I always give. The second is um, for someone wanting to do video production, I think understanding the kind of projects you actually want to work on, right? Like I talked about the first five years, I didn't really have that footing. I think that's the first thing is for sure, maybe play around with a lot of different um, top or yeah, a lot of different videos that you may want to create. Or if you already know what you're passionate about, just stick to that. I was passionate about storytelling. I've been passionate about storytelling since the age of eight, but I didn't stick to it when I started video production, right? And so I think that's always like, if you already know you're passionate, you have, you have the upper hand to just start there um, yeah. and know that, yes, it's going to be hard because you're niching, you're starting a niche at the very beginning. Most people don't do that, but it's so much more rewarding when you're doing work that you love. Um, and so that's always my work. advice. It's no longer work. It's no longer yeah. work. And so that's always my advice is one, for sure, do road mapping because even if you're just starting out, you're still more advanced than the person that's coming to you. You still know about it more about the subject than the person that's coming to you, right? And then mm -hmm. pick a niche. But the third thing is read. I think how I was able to change my perspective over time is that I started reading a lot of books. And for me, I loved reading as a kid, but then I didn't do so much reading in high school and in, in my 20s. But in 2014, I started reading again. I picked up a book, I started picking up books to read and it was hard for me at first just to get through a book. So I made the challenge uh -huh. of, okay, I'm just going to read one book a month. And that year that I made the decision, I'm going to read one book a month. I ended up reading 14 books, but I also watched my income increase by 40%. And all I did that year was read. So I read books nothing like else changed. nothing else changed. All I, so I read books like uh, the four hour work week or E-Myth mm -hmm. revisited um, think and grow rich. I have some of those behind me right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. Yeah. But because of reading those books, I changed my perspective, right? Because I was able to tap into mentors that I may never meet in my lifetime. Hmm. I was able to change my perspective. Um, and changing my perspective helped me to increase my rates more, right? Again, I started at 500 and I thought I would stay at 500 as far as yeah. uh, road mapping. But I continued to increase it because I was learning new things and learning how I could charge more. And, and if I'm going to charge more, how do I make it a no-brainer for the client? Right? Mm -hmm. So um, those are the three advice. Charge for road mapping or any kind of plan, blueprint, whatever it is. Charge for that. Um, the second is to know what you want to do and just believe in that. It's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. But believe in that because if you can build a portfolio off of that, then you get known for that. Like how I was able to work with Google and Steve Harvey and Caldwell Banker is because I got known for the guy that can create personal stories. Mm -hmm. um, and then the third one is to read, read books. I, I haven't stopped reading. I'm up to now, I read about 50 books a year because I developed it from one book a month. I loved it yeah. so much and realized what it could do for me that I just, okay, now I'm doing two books a month and now three. So 
read, <laughs> read, it's read, It's funny read. that you said that because it's almost like you could read my next question that I always ask every single person that is on my podcast. And that is, what are you currently reading or listening to that's helping you grow as an entrepreneur? <laughs> it's my last question of every podcast. Sure. <laughs> so I'll you, give you you've probably, give me either what you're reading now or the number one thing that you would recommend somebody read. I'll give you both. So number one thing okay. that I'd recommend is ironically a book called The One Thing. Um, mm -hmm. The that book has changed my life tremendously because it helped me become more disciplined. It's on that shelf over there, <laughs> I was like, I know I have it somewhere. It's over there. It's it's an amazing book. It's helped me become more disciplined and understanding how to focus on what like niching down to documentary series for entrepreneurs was about my one thing. Like if there was one thing that I could do for the rest of my life, because I do other things now. As far as like I do video production, but I'm uh, running an email list and different things like that. But in podcasting, but if there's one thing I could do for the rest of my life, it is documentary series for entrepreneurs. So the one thing is what I recommend. And then I'll tell you the last three books that I read because all three books were amazing. Um, <laughs> Limitless by, I can't think of his name now, but it's a book that was recently released, but it's an amazing book. Um, I'll get his name and I'll send it to you so you can put it in the show okay. notes. Limitless is one. I'm reading a book right now called uh, Rereading, because I often reread books too. A book called Rethinking Prestige Branding. It's all about luxury branding, but how it's done in modern day. So it, it also talks a little bit about storytelling. Um, and then the third book that I'm reading, so I'm reading right now Re Rethinking Prestige Branding and then Traffic Secrets from Russell Brans Brunson. Mm -hmm. Branson. Brunson. Brunson. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Because there is a Russell Branson, Branson too. But anyway, yeah. Traffic Secrets, Rethinking Prestige Branding. Those are two that I'm reading right now. Sometimes that happens. I'll be reading two different kind of books. They're on opposite spectrum. Yeah, that happens every <laughs> now and then. Um, but yeah, those are the last three books. Limitless is, is such a great book. Um, so it's, it's, it's life-changing. And then um, Rethinking Prestige Branding, just because, again, I'm, the kind of clients that I work with, they're not luxury clients, but I do want to understand like with the work that I do, how do I continue to elevate them? Um, so I'm always yeah, learning. Make them look like the luxury brand. Yeah, exactly. So I'm always learning. I'm always, I've, I've never like settled on, okay, I've reached the moment where I know everything. I don't. Um, and then traffic secrets, because again, that goes back to how do you leverage this video content? How do you even get traffic to get people to watch the videos? Um, and so I may not, again, I'm not going to run a business doing that, but I can consult my clients and understanding how to do that in a different way. And so, yeah, I'm always learning, always That's reading. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So if somebody is just listening to this and they're not able to look at the show notes, tell us where they can find more from you. Best place to find more from me is my website. Um, it's, it's where all of my contact information is judecharles.co. And I also run a private email list where I share a lot of this information, the storytelling, the brand building, uh, dramatic demonstration of proof, a little bit of everything that I've talked about, my entrepreneurship journey, um, and that you can find judecharles.co slash list. I know that okay. you will also include that in the show notes, but that's my private email list where I share even the behind the scenes of working with these seven and eight figure clients, the lessons that I learned from their big businesses that I'm not running right now. So. Um, that's where you can find out more and, and let's get personal. 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, I have thoroughly enjoyed getting to know you a little bit more and hearing your story because it was a story. (laughs) Uh, And uh, I hope to talk to you more soon. Thank you for having me, Tabitha. It was definitely a lot of fun. All right, guys, we'll see you next Tuesday. You've been listening to the Digital Agency Insiders Podcast. For more tutorials on growing your digital marketing agency, make sure to visit digitalagencyinsiders.com.